Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hello, everybody. This is Ron Brooks. We're getting off to a little uh, technically interesting start with lots of screen readers, and I was muted there for a minute. But welcome to our call, Untangling Transportation. Uh, this is our March uh, 2023 call, and and we're really excited because this is one year. Uh, we have been doing these calls now since March of 2022. That was the first one, so we're a year old and. Uh, really excited to uh, celebrate our one year, really by going back to our roots and kind of who we are and what we're here to help do. Um, and so we'll get into that in just a few minutes. Before we do, um, I would like to uh, take just a minute to acknowledge the people who are helping us this evening. Um, we have Travis Butler, who is our host with ACB, uh, just helping uh, keep everybody uh, on track, helping people get unmuted when it's time for folks to speak, um, and just you know, helping keep me on track in terms of time. Uh, we have um, Herbie is doing double duty. Uh, he is helping with uh, streaming tonight and also helping with Clubhouse. So Herbie, thank you for taking on both of those roles. Uh, and we also have um, some speakers to join us as well. Uh, we have uh, the one and only Anthony Corona, who I'm going to actually uh, give a, a longer introduction to in just a moment. Uh, and I'm hoping that we've got Justin Aquino if, if uh, he makes it. So uh, hopefully we'll uh, have him on as well. So tonight, um, let me just before we dive in, I'm going to spend the way these calls typically work and tonight's no exceptions. We are going to have a conversation with a couple of folks uh, who have a really cool story to tell that's going to be really helpful, I hope, for many of you. Uh, and we're going to spend about the first 45, 50 minutes or so just having a conversation. And then we're going to open it up for questions, comments from, from other folks. So when we get there, uh, I will we'll give you some instructions on how to handle that. But uh, in the meantime, let me just kind of set the stage and introduce um, our guests. So I, I'm calling tonight a magic show. And it's magic because. Um, because this is a hard topic. And um, just a little back, bit of background. I, I have spent 30 years in the transportation industry, all of it in accessible transit and paratransit. Uh, it's, it's been my entire career, my entire adult life. I love the work that I do. Um, and I'm pretty good at it. Uh, I understand how, how paratransit works and how transportation should work and pretty good at community work and, and advocacy. And yet, there are some places where it's hard, where things don't change very fast, and where all the stuff that works in most places doesn't work very well. And we're gonna talk about one of those places tonight. So early in my career, uh, from 1996 to 2000, yeah, I told you it was 30 years. So 1996 to 2000, y'all do the math a long time ago, I was working, running paratransit and some other accessible transit services for a transit agency in Palm Beach County, Florida. And, and it was hard. I mean, it was really hard. When I took the job, I was going from the Bay Area where things were a little bit easier and where there was a little more, things were a little more progressive. And I was told, that's a hard place. You're not gonna be able to change anything. 
And I got to Palm Beach County and I was a young manager, pretty inexperienced. And I, and I did, I struggled, but there was only, but there was one place that was harder than where I worked. They had transportation that was harder than mine. They had politics that was in the way they had uh, just a long history of a very difficult service for customers. And this was in 1996. And that was Miami, Florida. Miami, Florida has has perennially had, it's a very large city, obviously. They've had a lot of challenges with transportation over the years, particularly with paratransit. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Some of it's just cultural, some of it uh, cultural and just in terms of how the, the transit political culture works. Some of it's just, you know, it's a city with a lot of people coming and going, uh, you know, so it's just, it's a real difficult area to serve. Uh, lots of traffic, you know, all kinds of reasons why, but it was a really, really tough place. And transportation has been perennially difficult there from then until now. And yet, things have started to change a little bit in the last couple of years, and especially for paratransit, things are starting to change now. And some of the reason that they're starting to change is because the advocacy work that is being done by people in Miami. And that includes a couple of folks we're going to talk to tonight, Anthony being one and, and Justin another, and because of the work of a couple of chapters of the of Florida Council of the Blind and some other folks in the community. And so we called this, in celebration of our first birthday, we wanted to have us a birthday party. And since we can't have cake, we settled for a magic, a magic show, and we're calling this Magical Advocacy in the Magic City. Because and, and that's Miami's nickname. It has others, but that's its nickname. And and I and I really felt like that resonated because these guys are doing some magical things, at least in my experience, which goes back three decades in this industry. And so I wanted to have them on and I wanted to have them tell the story. So let me just introduce Anthony and, and uh Justin real quickly. So Anthony, of course, we all know Anthony's been around ACB. Um he uh, is the host of the Sunday Edition show, which uh, features uh, content that's focused around ACB and issues relating to ACB members and blindness. Um, he's a very good interviewer in his own right, does quite a bit of work uh, out in the community, uh, does legislation for, for Florida Council of the Blind and chairs their advocacy committee. It does all, it just now, I think, newly elected uh, president of of uh, the uh, Miami Beach chapter, one of the chapters in Florida, uh, in in the Miami area, very very busy uh, with our with our organization, and he's a pretty good transit advocate too. So we're gonna hear Anthony talk. Anthony, welcome. Thank you. You can you hear me? Okay. All right. I, I'm. Let's grab Justin and mute him. Hello. All right. Yeah. Hi, Justin. Welcome. All right. So, and the second person is uh, you, whose voice you just heard is somebody that I did not know. Um, his name is Justin Aquino, and Justin Aquino is one of those folks who um, uses uh, paratransit in Miami uh, to go back and forth to school. We'll hear more about his story, but Justin's story became the catalyst for a reporter in, for the Miami Herald who frankly hasn't paid a whole lot of attention to paratransit in the past, got kind of interested and started digging, doing a little digging. And that digging resulted in a story which is now resulting in change. 
uh, to paratransit in the Miami area. Now, time will tell how good the change ultimately becomes, but everything starts with something, and y'all are doing something. So, Anthony, Justin, welcome to Untangling Transportation. Thank you so much. I'm very happy to be here, Ron. Justin, welcome. I'm happy to be here, Ron. Thank you for having me, or thank you for coming on. So, thank you. And let me do, let me go ahead and just make sure my speech is not part of the problem here. Okay, so let me just start with Anthony and then Justin, I'll come over to you in just a second. And so Anthony, um, you know, we know a lot about you and you know, I just introduced you. And so people, you're pretty well-known quantity here, but, <laughs> but I didn't know how much you got into transportation. So I would love to know just a little bit of your background and why this topic has gotten so important to you, this topic of transportation and uh, paratransit, which down in Miami y'all call STS, which is not yeah. the same as SOS, but it could be. Um, so talk about that. Talk about that. How did you get involved in transportation so deeply? Well, I, I first off, let me tell you that I am calling you. I am still in the D.C. area. It was uh, the American Council of the Blind's Legislative Leadership Seminar um, and so I fly home tomorrow. So I've had some technical difficulties. Thank you so much for the patience. Um, I'm originally from New York City, and I'm not going to say that the New York City transit system is perfect. Um, but based upon, you know, Dallas, Denver, New York, um, you know, Miami and other areas that I've been to, Miami by far is the worst paratransit that I have ever experienced. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a very spatial city. It's large. It covers a lot of area and their public transit system is not great. So, you know, as I got to know my new city and started to really use the service, um, I was, thoroughly disappointed. And, and for those of you who are familiar, my partner is also an American Council of the Blind member and, and works full-time at Miami State College. And, um, you know, he was experiencing lots and lots on subscription of, of horrific uh, issues on a subscription. And so after a couple of conversations um, reporting a lot of, of complaints, we realized it, that, you know, this is not this is not going to change, not without, you know, real action, real advocacy. Um, and I know we're going to go through the story tonight. So that's really the catalyst of, of what happened. I see. And of course, our friendship, I'm going to be honest, knowing, you know, what you're doing in advocacy around the country and helping. I, I knew that there is a path for better. And I also knew that based upon the politics of Miami, it's not going to happen easily or quickly. No, that is a that is a fact that that is a truth. So. So excellent. So so basically you got involved because you had experienced good transportation. You came to a city where it wasn't so good and you saw the impacts that it was having on the lives of people around you. And you're like, I'm not doing especially it. Justin. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not down with this. So I'm, so you know, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like life has given me um, a strong personality and a very loud Italian voice. So if I'm not, you know, if I'm going to use it for myself, I'm going to use it as loud as I can to bring along as many folks as I possibly can. And I, I definitely want folks to hear Justin's story because of a few of the incidents that happened to Justin and, and 
Um, Justin is a very, very special individual. Um, The drive, the determination that he has, you know, he, one of the first things he ever told me was, you know, during the end of pandemic, when classes were coming back, no, I don't want to take virtual. I'm going to have to go to work every day at some point. So I'm going to go to school every day. Well, let's go to Justin. Yeah, yeah, let's go go to Justin, because that was where I was going to go next anyway. So Justin, welcome to our call. Um, You know, I know you from a couple of conversations that we had kind of back in the summer. Um, And I know you from the article in the Miami Herald, but I don't know very much. And I don't think most of our folks have met you. So tell us a little bit about who you are. You're going to school, what what you're studying to do. And just talk about, you know, just briefly some of the challenges you've had um, with transportation, the things that got you interested in seeing things get better. Um, thank you, Vaughn. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm currently 19 years old. I'm currently pursuing my associate of arts degree in criminal justice and and a couple of semesters ago mom had to go mom had to go get her get something done with her car and I didn't have a line we're losing you a little bit Justin hello there you go. That's better. <laughs> yes. What was the last thing you heard? Well, I, th- I think you answered part of it. So let me just repeat in case people had a little trouble hearing. Um, what I heard you say is 19 and you're going to get an associate's degree in criminal justice. And, you know, as a as a college student, like any college student, you got you have places to go. You have things to do. And it sounds like Miami STS wasn't working for you. Is that about the truth of it? That, that's about the truth of it. But I had not given up because I like my independence. Mm-hmm. Yep. Excuse me. Frustrating to say the least. I have had it. I have had drivers who speak no English have been driving recklessly. Mm-hmm. And dropped me off in the middle of the street. Has cursed at me and
many people who many people who like many of us I am sure many of us not all of us on this call right now for mm-hmm. and I can't always and I have to I cannot always I don't always know where I am. Yeah. Yep. Always is a curse. So for people that brought me off in the middle of this place, it's very dangerous. Yeah, it's a big deal. Big deal. Let me just repeat. Um, the, the connection's a little tricky. Um, and let Lost. me just repeat. I, oh, I think yeah, I heard that. That's okay. I'm going to repeat what I think you said, and then we'll keep we will uh, we'll move on a little bit. But what I heard you say, and and folks, I want you to just think about those of you who use paratransit, or even if you don't, think about this collection of comments. So you have a person here who depends on paratransit to get where they need to go. They uh, you you talked about drivers who are who don't speak who don't speak English and. I think we all have that. In Miami, you have a, a lot of it because there's a lot of people from a lot of different countries. Um, yes. Native Americans. So uh, so that does happen. Um, you had people who drove recklessly. You had drivers who cursed at you in Spanish as if, you know, I mean, look, come on. I know the cuss words in Spanish. I mean, I learned them because I thought I might need to use them when my parents were, you know, <laughs> were around. So, so you have all these things happening. You have people dropping you off in the wrong place. And all of us who are blind have experienced at some point being in a place that was not the place you thought you were, and you have to sort it all out. And when you add all that together, you know, it creates a great deal of stress and a great deal of worry. Um, and, you know, so it wasn't, it wasn't just you. It was a lot of people over a lot of time. And, and Anthony, you yes. guys, um, you know, you, I know you were familiar with Justin's story. Um, and, um, you know, plus the, plus your own story and, and the, the experiences that Gabe had, but, but you guys did something about it and it, talk to us about how you, you know, what, what did you do? Kind of walk us through from the point where you said, you know what, this is broken. It's not getting better. Why don't you just walk through the steps you took? Because you took some steps, very specific steps to get started on this journey. Oh, if I can cycle back for just a moment and say that, they, you know, there's a straw that breaks the camel's back every time. And, you know, I can deal with my experiences. I can figure out. Um, and Justin can too, but it's a lot easier for me than it is for him. And yeah. one of the incidents was there's a like a drive lane that separates the parking lot from the main ring road of the college. So you still have to get through a parking lot to get to the building. And it's not the drop off point. They dropped him off there, did not tell him where he was, left him there. And when he was trying to get answers on the cell phone in a windy situation, not knowing where he is, uh, the special transportation, STS, hung up on him. 
it took him three calls to get someone. And it turned out that it was other students who helped him into the building. That was the straw. That was the camel. Um, like you said earlier, I had no experience in advocating for, for transit itself, for paratransit or any kind of transit. But I've been a member of the American Council of the Blind for a while at that point. Um, and early on in my life, I did a lot of advocating for the autism community. So I just decided to take some of the things that I knew from that and attend anything where Ron Brooks was talking. Um, I read a lot of things that have been posted across the American Council of the Blind, um, all the various channels that we can get information and put a plan in action. And the first step of the plan was to get a, a meeting with, um, with the county. And Ron can tell you the layers of the county here in Miami, well, I'm actually not here now, but in Miami are so dense. It's, it's like going through a seven layer chocolate cake. Um, there's a director of this, a deputy of that. There's 12 people before you actually get to somebody who can actually give you any real information. So we spent a couple of months going back and forth, trying to get the people that we really needed to speak to. Um, at that time, I was also having conversations with people in the American Council of the Blind who had done advocate, you know, advocacy in this space, including including you, Ron. Um, so I didn't like what we were being told, and I got our Miami Beach chapter at one of our meetings. You know, I got the conversation rolling, and what do we want to do about it? Uh, Miami Beach is a smaller chapter. Miami Metro is the the larger chapter within Miami. So the next thing to do was to reach out to them. Um, which we did. And at first we were just trying to make lists. These are the things, the kind of things that are happening. Uh, we got a lot of excuses, a lot of sort of promises and a lot of, no, that's not actually happening. So Ron, um, what is the best thing that you could have when it comes to dealing with localities? Data. Yeah, we needed data. facts. Yeah, we need data. Yeah, we needed facts. We needed data. And so, you know, none of us were, we were talking about the complaints we were doing. And in that process, I realized something that happens across the nation in every single one of our areas, we don't actually complain correctly. So our complaints are not being looked at where they need to be looked at, how they need to be looked at. And most of the time they're thrown away or not, you know, or not paid attention to because they're not filed correctly. So the first thing, you know, the next thing on that, on that journey was to teach at least the two chapters at first, how to complain correctly. And uh, decided, well, there's gotta be somebody who's gonna put this all together. Who's gonna be responsible for at least collecting and collating, uh, you know, conversation between the two chapters, Gabriel and myself were elected to kind of be the faces um, of, of the conversation with the county, with SCS themselves and any other outside, um, any other outside conversations we would have to have. And so we we formulated a system of collating it. All of the members that were filing complaints from both chapters were forwarding it to me. I had separate uh, files opened up so that I could log the, the when the complaint was taken, the complaint numbers, a couple of facts, and then direct it to where I was filing the actual full complaint. Um, yeah, let me just stop you for one second because I want to I want to underscore something you said that I want people to hear. So, if you are in a local chapter 
somewhere in, in, in uh, this country and you're concerned about transportation, there's two things that you did and you did them both. Um, one was everybody, everybody registers their own comment or complaint with the transit agency because the agency doesn't, they don't respond to anything that hasn't been reported. They can't. But you guys didn't stop there. You also said, send us a copy. And you as the chapter or as the chapter's representatives compiled all that data. And I'm assuming yeah. that, that, you know, the, the reason for that was what? I mean, I know why everybody had to file their own, but why did you track and compile everything at the, at the chapter slash county level? Well, honestly, you know, it, it came from a couple of different spaces. You know, the first being, you know, they're telling us, no, what you're telling us actually isn't true. Uh, you're exaggerating, you're whining. Well, don't ever tell me I'm whining or exaggerating because I'm going to find a way to make sure you know exactly that I know what I'm talking about. Um, and then the second one was just kind of taking the basics that I know from other advocacy and understanding that I need actual, you know, we need actual raw data. We need to be able to point and say, here it is. Um, you know, and then, of course, conversations with with other folks who were doing it in other areas, again, yourself included. Uh, so that was where that came from. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, and I would just add, if you think about if you think about complaints like grains of sand, you know, each complaint is its own thing. The problem is, if you're looking at one grain of sand, you're looking at one grain of sand when you're looking at yeah. a whole beach. Um, and, and really what that, what this allowed you to do, of course, was it allowed you to make sure that the process was followed, i.e. every customer who had a problem registered that problem in the form of a complaint to the to STS, which is, which is the process in Miami. But it also allowed you as the keepers of that data to have the entire story in one place. And I'm yeah. going to speculate that having that story in one place came in pretty handy, both for the county and especially when the media came looking. And if you want to move to that part of the story. Yeah, so, you know, we ended up um, getting another meeting with the county, the top layer other than the actual director of transportation for the county. So we, we finally got to the layer that we needed to get to. And we'd spoken with him once before and he was quite dismissive. So we finally got this, this meeting and basically let them know, you know, what our plans were to a certain degree that we were going to be collating, collecting, and then farming that data out. Never told them where and what we were going to do with it other than we'd like to meet with them again when we have full data points. And um, if they don't have something positive, you know, to bring back to the table, then we will be taking that data other places. But I didn't want to rest on my laurels. So I reached out to uh, the Center for Governmental Accountability of Florida. At the same time, Justin had another incident that was not good. And we had a reporter that had been working on other things that we identified might be sympathetic to the cause. And that's really where Justin kind of took off for us on top of making sure that he collated, I mean, that he filed correctly every single incident that happened to him. He also himself reached out to the, um, the reporter in support of the initial introduction email that I sent out to him. And if you talk to Justin, 
and you hear his story. And then I can collate at that point, we were two months into what was going to be a three month, but it turned out to be four months in total that we collected that the data. Um, I was two months in and I could give him preliminary figures. And when he started hearing what we, what we were dealing with, um, it lit a fire under him. And at the same time, um, the center for Florida center for governmental accountability worked with the reporter as well as sending things to the secretary of state and other agencies, um, in the state of Florida. So I think that covers what you were asking so far. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about those numbers. So, so let's, let's take a step now out because when I read the Miami Herald article, which was a really, really good article. And in the show notes, we'll link that article because it's worth a read and you got to get past their data wall and, and all that kind of, it's a little bit of a pain, but we'll, we'll find a clean copy and link it because it's a great story. Um, and it has some ugly pieces and we'll talk about that in a minute, but, um, but let's talk about that data. Can you just, I mean, maybe just, I, I don't expect you to know the numbers off the, exactly off the top of your head, but give us an order of magnitude. How much data did you actually provide when you were able to provide data? Over 700 complaints yep. in a four month period. In a four month period, 700 complaints about, I assume some of the same topics that Justin alluded to. Absolutely. You know, there are some topics, you know, uh, that some complaints I should say that weren't, they didn't fit in with what we were doing. Um, mm -hmm. I have them, you know, I have them for posterity. But I'm I, 700 complaints that are directly related to the issues that we're talking about. Um, and I wish I could say that that was just the two chapters from, from FCB, but it isn't. Uh, we reached out to Centers for Independent Living. We reached out to uh, dialysis centers. I tried to work with the Lighthouse. Unfortunately, the Lighthouse of Miami is another political animal that you just it, need to be said. Well, anyway, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and various other um, users of paratransit uh, and try to bring them on board and, and act as the agent. There were a few of those agencies that were much more prolific than others. But again, in a, in a four month period, 700 complaints is not good. No, no, it is yeah. not good. So, so then the article gets published. And um, so let's talk about that. What was the response from? the public or from the county, from the community? What was the response in the aftermath of the article? That, and by the way, this, folks, this was published in the Sunday Herald. This was not buried away, you know, in the uh, community affairs section on page 29, you know, you know, behind an ad for roast beef. This was out on page, I think it's on page three, um, yeah. you know, above the fold. This was a good, good, it's had visibility. What, what was the response to this article? You know, what, what came out? Uh, well, first off, Lighthouse suddenly wanted to be much more involved. Um, no, but we we received a lot of community interest. Um, the reporter was was forwarding me things that he was getting, um, and people found me, I guess, through the Florida Council of the Blind. You know, you go and look at le legislative secretary, uh, legislative chair, and you can find my email and, and phone number. And so I started getting emails and phone calls about it. Um, one notable is, is someone from the Miami heat who has a grandmother who was blind from like the age of 14 and had a very difficult life, um, reached out and what can we do? How can we help? Um, so a, a good amount of community response. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, other than the county folks that we spoke to, that we had been in conversation with already, um, I can't say that a single other person in government, local or state level, um, ever reached out or had anything to say. And I, I'm pretty sure it's the same answer for Justin as well. Mm-hmm. The county immediately wanted another meeting. Um, and they gave us a list of things that were going to go into effect quarter one. Um, and funnily enough, next Thursday night, we have another meeting with them to find out what has been implemented, what's still going to be implemented, and what the timeline looks like, because we're now at quarter one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Sh- uh, should, I, should I list, you know, what they came back to us with? Um, I mean, I, I would say recognizing that this is all kind of very very localized, but maybe just talk in terms of just general subjects. I mean, I know, you know, they were talking about trying to solve for some of the challenges. Maybe just speak to some of those issues at a general level. Yeah. So, you know, one thing that we, the one thing that we were very concerned about was major medical appointments, of course, including dialysis. So they almost immediately implemented a will call system, which I was very used to dealing with in New York, a will call system for you know major medical appointments. That was almost immediate. And so if then, you're at a doctor's office, you can call when you're done and they can come get you as opposed to yeah. Yeah. Or the facility right. can call, you know, if you're in a treatment or something and give a guesstimated time of when you're going to be finished. Because if you miss if you miss that ride, you could be sitting there for two or three hours before they come and get you. Perfect. Thank yeah. you. Um, and then there was a lot of stuff that basically falls under the category of county oversight. They're going to add their own dispatchers. They're going to add overflow cars. And most importantly, they're going to ask um, representatives from the two chapters and maybe some of the other agencies that we're working on to be part of a review board for the next contract cycle um, uh, for for the bidding for the uh, paratransit services in, in Miami. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so, so that's quite a story. Um, and, and, and again, I mean, this is not a place where change comes easily or quickly. Um, it'll be very interesting to see how this plays out. And, and so let me ask you what, I've got two more questions. Um, and, um, yeah, and then we're going to start to open this up, but, but, uh, so here's one of them. What um, are you? What are you all doing to make sure that you continue to hold them accountable? Now that the you know, the article has been published, uh, the news cycle has moved on to the next thing. Um, you know, it's hard to maintain the kind of you know work level and discipline that you were doing collecting and documenting complaints. What are you What are you doing as a chapter to keep the momentum going in the right direction? Well, we're still collecting. Um, We put a hold on the collating, but we're still Mm -hmm. collecting and we'll have that data. And it'll be much easier to collate this time around because we know know, we we have experience now. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, you know, you can, they can make pretty promises, but I'm I'm not entirely sure that I believe them. So, you know, all the raw data that I can possibly have need go to the next level. Um, We, as a chapter, have decided to write a letter to the editor that is almost finished. Um, and we want to wait until we hear what the county has to say next Thursday before we submit that letter to the editor of the Miami Herald. 
Um, we will be having a Miami Beach uh, Council of the Blind Day at the Miami Heat sometime in the next huh. season. Mm -hmm. um, which, so that's a long way away, though. But if the if the promises and and things that were given to us aren't being fulfilled, that's going to be a huge, large <laughs> space for us to grab a mic and tell them why we're there. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and in the meantime, we're just we're speaking to all of our local county commissioners. We're gonna we're going to county commissioner meetings, and we're fanning it out. Any conversation that we have with with a politician or you know anyone of note, we're we're fanning out what we're doing. We're we're putting that message and referring people back to the Miami Herald article. And um, you know, we just want to keep the awareness going because we all know the news cycles. Two minutes later, yeah. it's on to something else. Right. So, and and you didn't just keep this at the at the chapter level. You've done. You've now branched out and taken some of this work and shared it with your with your state affiliate. Is that yes? Yeah. So you know, as as legislative chair, governmental affairs chair, I mean, it would be my, it'd be mightily selfish if if I say, well, look at what we did in Miami. Um, good luck. <laughs> so we we made our first quarter agenda all about paratransit and our model may not work a hundred percent for another county, but we can tweak it and, and we can, you know, we can find the sweet spot from what we did to what they made. Um, and there are, there are a couple of people that are trying to build their own coalition in, in their own counties. Um, and, and we've pledged as a governmental affairs and as the Miami beach chapter to offer whatever we can, as far as you know assistance and and helping them figure out how to collate it who to talk to uh, you know how often to talk to because it's it's you know you got to keep knocking on those doors you got to keep making those yep. phones ring yeah i just have one more question and you can each answer it if you like um and it's real simple um and and anthony i'll start with you um what if if you were you know because i i think yeah People can't retain everything, but people can retain one or two pieces of advice. If you had, you know, just a few pieces of advice for individuals and for local chapters of things that they can do as individuals and as chapters to address transportation challenges in their own communities, what would be the most important, say, two or three things that you would share with them that they should start doing immediately to get a hold of transportation in their area? So individually, I'm going to say document, document, document. You've got to make those complaints. You've got to keep some sort of file going. Um, you know, on Thursday, I had a pickup for 715. They didn't get there till 820. I got dropped off at such and such. Document, document, document. Um, for chapters, I would say, find, you know, contact one of us, you know, Find some of the pre-written documents that are out there on how to complain, how to file an effective complaint, and then search and find out what your locality actual system is. Um, and then the agency, not the, I don't know, let me rephrase that, the provider of the transportation itself should not be your, your only step whether it be county commissioners, whatever it is in your locality that oversees transit, you've got to get them involved because the agency, the transit provider is not gonna do anything unless you 
put fire to their feet. And you put fire to the feet by the people that are giving the money. And the first step in that chain, if you're going backwards, is, is your local county commissioners or the equivalent in your area. So those would be my, and, and reach out to Ron. Because <laughs> Ron gives uh-huh. really good advice. <laughs> well, well, let me just, um, and, and Justin, did you have anything to add to that? Yes, I go ahead. Call a document, document, document. Hold, hold them accountable. Keep, keep every time you get a pickup. Documented in your note on your phone. Uh, documented on a sticky note. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, then, and then send it to somebody in a backup. If you want to send it to Anthony, you can. Uh, only Miami people can send it <laughs> He's to only me. doing Miami. <laughs> well, we're going to, no, but, but I hear you. So what I hear you saying is document, document, document. Um, get it to the people that can help solve the problem. And then you said document it on your phone. So you said document like four times. And I, I completely agree. Let me, let me just share, you know, Anthony referred to the work that, that we did. And, and I just want to kind of walk some of you through how that looked because, um, yeah, this is something at Accessible Avenue and, you know, we sponsor these calls and, and really this is why I love this topic for this night. Cause we're celebrating a year with these calls. Yeah. I have Accessible Avenue has two missions. Uh, we have one mission, one mission transfer is transform, uh, transportation to make it easier and more accessible for people to have disabilities. That's our mission. That's why we exist. There's two ways we do that. One way is we consult and train with the industry to help the industry do a better job. The other way we do it is we inform and advise and help the community so that the community can advocate effectively for what it needs. Because I truly believe that we're all on the same side. You know, I don't see the transit agencies as being the enemy of the community or the community as being the enemies of the agencies. I see two groups of people Two, organ- two types of organizations that, that view the world from very, very different perspectives. And they don't always understand each other and they don't always work in the same direction. And so Accessible Avenue, we're a connector. Our job is to educate the agencies to help provide them do a better job. It's to educate the consumers so that consumers can advocate for what they truly need. And hopefully that helps people get on the same page. So when Anthony contacted us, Accessible Avenue, you know, and, and I was lucky because I worked in Florida before and I had some sense of how things work in, in the, um, in the uh, southern tip of uh, one of the most beautiful states in the country um, that's also one of the most political and challenging in the country as well. Um, you know, it was real clear that this was going to take um, you, you, the, the, the obvious problems were, uh, aside from the service quality, and there were some service quality issues, there, there's, if there still are, and there are service quality issues in most systems. The issue in Miami was that, that it appeared that 
there was not ownership by the by the public agency that paid for the service. Um, they were not taking ownership of the quality of the service, um, and that happens. The the other and, and and one of the tactics that was being used on purpose or not um, was that people who were filing complaints were doing so in a vacuum. And nobody was taking a look at the big picture and seeing the patterns in the data. So, mm -hmm. so it was really important from my perspective to do a couple of things. One was to make sure that everybody followed the same process for collecting data. Because when you have data and it all looks and it's all and you can match it all up and you can see the patterns, you get away from these cases of where people are filing complaints in a vacuum and everybody feels like they're being isolated and they're being kept separate. It's impossible to deny patterns when you have 700 complaints in four months. I mean, you could say they made them all up, but nobody's going to say that. Um, it, it's impossible not to have, you know, that data has power in and of itself. Um, and that was really all there was to it. I mean, the, you know, the, the reporter getting involved yeah, that's just, I mean, you can manipulate some of that to make it happen. But honestly, that happened because the issues were fairly egregious and the reporter picked up on it and and they ran with it and they got and they started doing their own research. Sometimes that doesn't happen and you have to kind of help the process along. But again, if you have the data, the data yeah. is what makes this go or not go. Reporters are not going to report on stories where there is no story. But if you've got data, there's a story. So, I, so I, I, I believe in there for a second yeah. and tell you that yeah. that was the that was the first portion of of our conversation with. He was very impressed by how Justin spoke and and what he how he presented it. But when we spoke, he, he the first thing he said to me is, "If we don't have something to show, then it's just a story, and they're they're not going to publish it." You know, my bosses won't publish it without the data. And I said, I've got it. We're two months in. I've got like 400 complaints. Wait, 400? And boom, we were off and running. Yeah. So it starts there. So one of the things we do at Accessible Avenue is we put on our website um, the form, forms that you can use to document complaints. They're structured to be general. They cover the categories of data that agencies need. Um, and one other thing Anthony said is, was when you register comments and complaints about service, this is not just paratransit, this is any service, talk to the people who own it, not the people who do the work. Because the people who do the work may not, may not be the process owners, and they, and they may have a reason not to share. It is super important to get to the people who actually own and pay for the service. And in the case of Miami-Dade, that was the county. In the case of your transit agency, that might be the agency itself, uh, or it might be a county board of commissioners, or it might be a city council. So it's really, yeah, those, we can help you sort those out, but, but it starts with getting those, those, getting your experiences on paper, uh, you know, whether it's um, a notes folder in your phone, uh, whether it's a piece of paper, whether it's a, you know, a, a recording, um, I mean, whatever, whatever it takes, um, that data has power. Um, the other thing that you did, is is you as a chapter recognized that having that data all in one place is how that data gained power, and yeah. and that was a, a phenomenal move. And and um, you know, so I, I commend you for for doing the work because it's a lot of work. Um, 
So I'm sure we will talk more about a lot of these things. Before we go to our, our um, audience and start, we're going to open this up. Um, I just want to thank both of you. Stay with us because we may have questions for you. In fact, I would expect we will um, stay with us. Um, but I want to thank you before I forget for taking the time uh, you know, to come here um, to share your story, uh, to share the results. Um, and I thank you for doing all that hard work because that was a lot of work and you're still doing it um, and uh, you're not done yet. So, yeah, we look forward to hearing how this continues to play out. Um, so please keep us informed. Uh, but for now, let's go ahead and open it up. And so, folks, you are all muted right now. Uh, if you have a question or a, a comment, um, what I we were going to invite you to unmute. You know, Travis is going to ask you to unmute yourself when it's your turn. What I'd like you to do is to quickly um, state your name. Your first name is fine. And what city and state you're in, because with transportation, it's all local. It really does help to know. Um, and then get to your question. Um, the thing that I would like not to do is we is this is not really the place where we talk about individual trips on individual days with individual bad drivers um, or whatever else might have happened on an on any given day. What I would like for people to focus on is, is if you have an issue that you think is a systemic issue, it's an always comes up kind of issue. I'd love, you know, we would love to talk about those. And I'd love to talk about anything else, either a question or a comment you have around advocacy strategies that you've used or that you are curious about working at the local level to make transportation better in your community. So those are the kind of comments I would like us to focus on. We'll, we will uh, jump right in. Uh, so Travis, do you, uh, and, and by the way, also keep me honest about Clubhouse, maybe do a couple in Zoom, then we can go out to Clubhouse and go back and forth. So, so Travis, who do we have? All right, first we have Sharon. Hello, um, I'm Sharon in Worcester, Massachusetts. Can you hear me all right? Yes, go ahead. Okay, um, we started to have a little bit of progress um, with our transit authority, um, but an, an odd wrinkle has happened and I wonder if it's happening in other places in the country and it's called the Personal Family Medical Leave Act. And how that has affected us is that drivers are allowed to call out a, an hour or two before a shift. And at first it was just hitting the fixed bus routes, but now it's starting to happen in the paratransit realm as well. And so it's made scheduling more difficult and the um, transit agency is feeling very uh, vulnerable right now because this is not something that they had any choice about instituting. So mm -hmm. they're feeling defensive, I think. And like, you know, we just, we can't fix anything right now because we don't have the people. Yeah. Um, so I just wondered if, if others had, have had this and uh, I've written to my legislator about it saying, you know, we need to do something about this. Uh, it's affecting well, transit. But anyway, I'd like to hear. Yeah, let me, well, let me uh, debunk uh, some myths, because um, I think it's always important to to do that. Um, first off, there is right now, and, and this is industry wide and nationwide, there is a staffing shortage in almost every industry, and that includes public transportation. But let's talk about the Family Medical Leave Act. 
The Family Medical Leave Act was signed into law by President William Jefferson Clinton in 1993. So let us be clear, um, that is not new information and the industry has been well aware of it since about 1993. So what's really going on is that's an excuse. The real issue right now is a staffing shortage. Um, and that is a real thing. There are, strat there are um, strategies that agencies can take on around staffing. Staffing is extremely difficult, um, but there are you know, approaches. And one of the approaches, of course, is to use alternative approaches to do service, uh, like um, you know, partnering with um, a taxi provider or partnering with a service like um, a rideshare service or uh, you know some other provider of of casual you know, what are referred to as casual vehicles or vehicles that aren't owned by the agency. Um, so there are strategies; they're difficult. Um, but to say that it's the Family Medical Leave Act is not it's it's disingenuous. Um, and 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 I would not, you know, as consumers, you know, that's sort of like saying that that our jobs are hard because of this law called the ADA that's really starting to bother us. I mean, it's been around since nine, 1993. So so that the, yeah, that's not a really something that I would spend much time on. I would focus more on the real issue, which is probably that they don't have enough people, so they're not able to absorb those absences when they occur. Um, and what they really need to do is think about how can we adjust the service to be more resilient. And one good way of doing that is with on-demand uh, providers out in the marketplace who can supplement their, you know, their, their staff when they need it. Next uh, question or comment. Things just jumped on me. The next person will be Tom. Tom, you may unmute. Tom, remember what is where who you, where you're from would be helpful. So send him another request. And her and while you're doing that, Herbert, do we have anybody in Clubhouse? We do not. Okay. And we don't have any other hands right now. Oh, I am so glad we've solved everything. And it's not even <laughs> eight o'clock. <laughs> Four minutes still. Hey, all right. We still have uh, 30, 34 minutes. So we'll continue on for a little bit. And <clears throat> Did we get Tom back yet? I'll send him another unmute request. All right. And while he does that, I'm gonna just put out an invitation now for those of you, just a couple of things about Accessible Avenue and this call. Uh, these calls are every third Wednesday. Um, not every third Wednesday, every third Wednesday of each month. I said that wrong. And um, I am always interested in hearing from folks if you have a topic idea, if you have a an interesting transportation story that you'd like to share, uh, you know, I want, I, I love having guests who have stories to share. And, you know, I think tonight's story is a really good one. Um, but if you have a story to share uh, or some, or a topic that you really like to know more about, you can drop us a line at the email address connect. So the word connect at 
accessibleavenue.net. That's also the email you can write to if you'd like to be added to our uh, company mailing list. Um, so please feel free to reach out to us if you um, have a question, want to join our mailing list, anything, it's connect at accessibleavenue.net. So Ron, can I say happy um, anniversary? And you were thanking me. I would like to throw that thank you right back in your face to Paul's. <laughs> thank you for all the work you do and happy anniversary. This is a really important work that you're doing for our community. Oh, and it's a lot of fun. And I appreciate that very, very much. Okay. All right. Did we get our, get our person, Travis? He left and came back. So we'll try again to see if Tom, if you can unmute. Oh, there you go. Hi, my name is Tom and I'm from Orlando, Florida. All right. And, uh, oh, no, it's him. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> and Anthony, I've, uh, I gotta Anthony's a good friend, a good mentor, and a good teacher. And, he has helped me quite a bit and a good friend. Thank you, Anthony. Uh, but I have I am vice president of the Greater Orlando Council of the Blind, and I have just recently started an advocate group uh, committee, um, not getting a lot of people to join the bandwagon, bandwagon but I'm searching. And uh, I got one person on, and I have another. But what I did is like, I want to work together in this whole city of Orlando and we don't have another chapter here, but we have a local NFB chapter. Um, so I have reached out to them and I got two more members to my committee. And one of them is an elected official in the Orlando city government. I have contacted uh, city commissioners and they have even called me back in the evening. I've, I'm just like, I just got so excited, but this is new for me. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but I'm making. I'm not afraid to make phone calls, and I'm not afraid to talk to people. I never have, as you'll find out if you know me more. But um, <laughs> it's just gotten exciting. It's gotten into me. You know, I'm really. Yeah. And we're doing for transportation and <clears throat> uh, audible crosswalks. We have, <clears throat> believe it or not, in downtown Orlando, we have two: one in front of the yeah. courthouse, or one in front of city hall, and one at lighthouse. And that's the only two in the whole city we have. Uh, yeah, yeah. I am. Uh, I tried to reach out to Lighthouse, and I got kind of. Well, we don't. You know, we don't need any more in Orlando. Is what the well, they don't because they got theirs. <laughs> <laughs> That's but, funny. Uh, yeah, we have an issue with the the electric scooters that they put out for rent in downtown. They're laying all over mm -hmm. the sidewalk, and we're mm -hmm. tripping over them. So I've uh, called and made phone calls about that. Uh, but yeah, it's just documentation and uh, I'm pulling together a pretty good group, I think. Um, they're very familiar with the city commissioners themselves, mm -hmm. like, and one's an elected official. And, but we're just getting started, but I learned a lot tonight, just, you know, documentation and get someone that you can write down the, the pros and the cons of access links here in Orlando. Actually, it's uh, gotten better because they hired a company called YouServe. And it's an individual car all by yourself when they come pick you up. You feel like a star. Um, <laughs> but it's it's not, it, it's the same uh, fare no matter what. Uh, instead of riding a big bus, you get a car by yourself. They also have enough added on another 
uh, transportation company called Silver Ride, which is a private car, but you may share the back seat with somebody. Um, mm -hmm. But it's gotten better, but there are things that need to be improved on. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Um, I, I did want to just comment on your scooter comment. So, um, and, I, and I want to talk about accessible pedestrian signals as well, just because you brought it up. Uh, first off, with regard to the scooters, um, scooters are tricky and um, they are um, pretty much, the, the, they are, the regulations around scooters are all local. There's no, to my knowledge, there's no national level or state, there may be state level regulations, although I'm not aware of any. Um, they're very often local. They and are. in some communities, they're not regulated even locally. They're just sort of, they've just popped up. I would encourage you to uh, to document those situations just like you would a transit situation and figure okay. out who needs to see it. Because if those are being um, authorized, for example, by, say, Orange County uh, or the city of Orlando, uh, th there's probably a liability clause uh, and some insurance requirements that the scooter manager, uh, you know, the companies that put those out have to meet. Um, yeah. And if, if people are reporting, um, you know, un unfriendly encounters with those scooters, for example, twisting an ankle, scraping a knee, tripping right. because they're sprawled out on the sidewalk, right. th those well, create financial cost to the city, uh, which are passed on to the uh, companies that manage those. And, and it'll drive it'll drive the manual it'll, it'll force them to either raise the prices or manage the problem and right. you, this is a case where where data can help by exposing the the yeah i have the, already, the fact that there's a problem yeah i already have five instances and mm -hmm. uh where uh, a lot of uh, blind people live downtown orlando because sure. uh, it's, it's easy to walk around but there's no talking crosswalks or but right. they're, they're tripping over these electric scooters that are laying yep. across. They're just dropped. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yep. So I already have five, five instances and uh, I'm going to document them, but uh, I just have one question. You think it's okay for me to reach out to the local NFB chapter to get, of course, and work, yeah, together, you know, and transfer, work together. Yeah. Yeah. Anthony, why don't you talk to that? Cause I think you guys did some reach out across the aisle as it were. Um, or, or at least there's been some conversation, maybe not formally. Transportation doesn't care if you're a member of ACB or not. No, they don't. <laughs> yeah, no, I, you know, I have to, I have to yell this out very loudly. Yes, it is very okay, Tom. Um, on a citywide level, we're actually cooperating quite well uh, as as the two organizations. Uh, and and I know that historically, Orlando has had a good relationship between the two organizations. But don't stop there. It's affecting the wheelchair community. It's affecting it's affecting um, you know special needs communities. It's affecting uh, centers for independent living. So reach out as well. And you did you did exactly what you need to do. The okay. fire will jump just, from you to the next just, person to the next person. Mm -hmm. And it, the more complaints that you have to show, it, the then they don't want to look like suckers. And that's what ended up happening yeah. in in Miami. You know, Justin was there. Were, there were a couple of us that were very prolifically. I can never say that word right, but you know, doing what needed to be done. And then others were like, uh "Oh, yeah. well, we don't want to look." You know, we can't complain anymore if they're actually doing work. So you want to be loud as well. You want to tell yeah. everyone that you talk to about it. I've got five complaints, and that's only in two weeks. 
You know, yeah. by, by two months from now, I'll have 25, 30 of them. Yeah. And if you help me, double that and have 50. Yeah. I have uh, some uh, people I know from, you know, in our blind community calling me and complaining about their day on access links. I'm going, okay. Um, What's the complaint number? Who did you speak to? That's yeah, my, it, that's my no, question now. Yeah. They're calling me to complain. Yeah, exactly. My response to them is. And I'm um, going, Okay. Tell me, make the tell me your complaint. Tell me your complaint, and, I'll, and I'm going to show you how to complain. You're not going to use that kind of language. You're not going to do this. You're going to be a gentleman, or you're going to be a lady, and you're going to do it right. And this is the number to call. They're very nice. I've called them myself, so I know they're very nice. And they oh said, my god, that's something that we did not touch on, Ron. That I think we absolutely should. Go ahead. Once once you start getting angry. Once you start yelling at them, once you start being snide with them, the They're conversation done. shuts. It's done. The conversation shuts down. As much uh, anyone who knows me knows, I, I'm I'm not a, a, a quell my anger easily kind of person. But I have learned in advocating that you know the squeaky wheel gets you know gets the oil, but it's not it's not the rusty squeaky that you know compl- that's yelling and screaming. It's the one that's consistent. Well, the and, here's the other, yeah. and here's the other part of that. If you complain, then you're com- the complaint. If you are yelling at a person, even yeah. though you may have a very good reason for it, not only does do it, it tend not to help you, but what actually what happens is they, the, your, your, your entire complaint becomes invalid because they assume that you exactly. did. So, and I, and I, and yeah. I tell them, I cannot call yeah. in for you. That's it right. has to come from you, right. but I'm going to tell you what to say. Be a, yeah. you know, be, be a gentleman. Be, yeah. you know, have, have some good manners and say, look, this happened to me today and blah, blah, blah. And I'd like to know what can be done about it. Or, yeah. you know, and you know, ask them questions. And like I said, I've called them myself here in Orlando, and they have been very nice. Right. And, well, why don't just... But uh, I, I need, I'll need all the help I can get. Thank you for tonight. It was, I'm glad I got on. And, uh, thank you, Anthony. I, I, I want to kind of shift the conversation. And Travis, sure. do we have anybody else with their hands raised? Yes, we do have a couple more. Okay, let's move on. Um, and give me a time check, if you would. It is 7.07 right now. Good. Okay, let's go ahead. Uh, who's next? All right. Herbie, I'm going to guess there's someone in Clubhouse. Yes, there is. And even though it's my last name, this is his first name, Alan. Okay. Hello. Um, hey, Alan. Where are you from? Uh, uh, Oregon. Oregon, um, okay. I wanted to talk just briefly about third-party transit. I guess they would be called third-party transit. You know when you make the appointment with your provider, like, um, uh, oh, I forgot the name of them. Uh, 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 what is the name of the... Like a healthcare provider. Yes. Yes, Okay. Or the transit company itself, Dial-A-Ride in the case of, of Florida, I think it was called. Mm-hmm. And uh, you would call them up and make your appointment. They do all the scheduling stuff. But then they send a third-party person out to get you, you mm-hmm. know, somebody with. And that's good for having helping with staffing. I think that's what you were talking about earlier. But that third party might not have training in, say, how to do sighted guide properly or something. Mm-hmm. So that's the downside. Mm-hmm party staffing it's a it's a really good point um and it's a it's 
So, so I want to just kind of hit it quickly and then keep going because it's not quite what we're on tonight, but I want to validate your concern and, and turn it into an advocacy, um, which is what we are talking about. So uh, there are many third parties doing transportation and some are good, some are not good. And the way that third party contracting works is when the agency who is managing the service writes a contract and then hold that that addresses the things like what the drivers should know how to do, uh, what the drivers should do when they arrive to pick somebody up, what kind of service they should provide, what kind of vehicles they should operate, how clean those vehicles should be. Those are all things that it can be included in a contract. They It only works if the transit agency um, puts those things in the contract with its third party and then manages that contract to make sure that that the third party that they've hired is doing what the agency said it wants done. It is all about accountability. Um, it is all about having a good contract and enforcing it. There are lots of systems around the country that use third parties effectively, and there are lots of agencies that don't. And I promise you the reason that the ones don't don't is because they are not managing a contract effectively. Um, and that's really what it comes down to. Now, bringing that to advocacy, what you as a customer can do is the same. Document, 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 and file those comments. Because in a contracted about, and I managed contracted services for half of my career, literally. And what I, on the public side, when I worked for a public agency with contractors would do is I would compare service levels of my contractors. And I could tell you who was good and who was bad based on customer comments, on-time performance, maintenance data, you know, all the things that we cared about as a public agency, we tracked performance. But, you know, the thing about performance is it's not tracked if people don't call in their experience. So, once again, when you have a service that's not meeting your needs, you got you to gotta tell the people, not the provider, especially not a third-party provider, you got to tell the agency so the agency can, can manage their contract effectively. Does that make sense? Okay, Travis. All right, next we have Stephanie. All right, Stephanie, where are you from? Good evening, Ron and everyone. Um, are you able to hear me okay? Yes. I am from Sacramento, California. Mm -hmm. um, I'm calling tonight because, well, there are many reasons. One being it's you, Ron, and what you do in transportation is legendary in our community. And so thank oh. you so much. And happy anniversary to you and, and your company. And, and this call. And yeah, this call. And I um, I think you're, you're outstanding and um, appreciate all that you've done. So what I'd like to know, and, and this might be um, a discussion for future calls, is um, some strategies to really find out who or whom or which body, government body, um, actually uh, your agency answers to. I uh, forgive the 
broken English yep. on that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, gotcha. So, so you know, you've been in California. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm in Sacramento. We have Sacramento Regional Transit, and I, of course, don't expect you to shout it out here. But I think it would be helpful in terms of advocacy and strategizing for us to get some ideas of how to find out exactly uh, who is uh, who can we go to and we collectively go to in our respective cities. Um, Sacramento, from what little I do know, our Sacramento Regional Transit isn't just a public transportation agency. It's a, a really quirky government body. And um, you, you probably know that better than I, but from what I have con- <laughs> concluded, you can say, oh yeah, they answer to the board. They ac- answer to the Sacramento Regional Transit Board, our SAC, RT, GO. Uh-huh. Is go. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then you can say the board answers to whomever and whatever, and it can spin you around, you know, like the rent cycle. So uh-huh. at some point, um, if, if not now, would you consider a call to help us learn the strategies for really digging deep? Because in some cities, and maybe it's not so in all cities and all uh, uh, jurisdictions, but in some places, it's very, very well buried as to who really is funding. I mean, I used to work for the state of California Department of Transportation, Caltrans, Mm -hmm. what we call it. Caltrans does not fund um, the service. They may fund the equipment. They may have some other pieces, but you can't call Caltrans and say, this is a problem. Help, help, help. Yeah, let me, yeah, let me, I, I understand your question. And sure. I want to, I, I think there actually is a short answer that that might be helpful to, to many. Um, and then we can think about a longer topic. Um, so here's the thing about transportation. There are approximately... Uh, 900 transit agencies in the country. I think I think that's about right. Mm-hmm. Um, they are each different in terms of how they're structured, who's on their board. But there are some basic things that you can can that are very knowable in your community. Um, uh, first off, it's not so much the people who give the money to the agency that you're trying to get to. It's the people who make the decisions about how the money is spent that you're trying to get to because Mm -hmm. every agency, Sacramento, Miami, Orlando, Phoenix, where I live, you name the city, they get money from the federal government. Mm -hmm. They probably get a little bit of money from their state in, in most cases, not all. They get money from the from local governments, cities, towns, counties, et cetera. They get money from passenger fares, They get money from ad revenues, from advertisements sold on bus shelters and buses and things like that. And that that's that's how that's how most of them are paid. So it's not that's not what matters. What matters is who decides is the people who decide how the money gets spent. Those Mm -hmm. decisions. Almost completely are local decisions made by. The, that board of directors that oversees the agency. That's who makes decisions. Now, here's the thing about the board. The board, okay, it's fine. It's the board. You go talk to the board. Maybe they don't care or maybe they don't hear you. That board in almost every case is either directly elected. And there are a few cities where that happens. Denver's one. 
I think Portland might be one. I think uh, the, the San Francisco Bay Area Rapid Transit District in the Bay Area uh, is one. There's a couple of others where the boards are literally elected. You see them on the ballot when you vote. Most agencies, the boards are appointed, and they, but they are elected officials who are appointed. So the mayor of Sacramento makes a couple of appointments to, this, to, the, to the RT board. Um, maybe the um, Sacramento County uh, makes a couple of appointments to the RT board. Those folks are elected officials. Mm -hmm. uh, they, answer to, they answer to voters. So you as a citizen, if you're in a transit district, there's probably somebody on that board who represents you as a citizen, whether it's your mayor, a member of your city council, a member of your county commission, uh, somebody on that board is an elected official. So they may not answer to you specifically, but they answer to voters. So they, that makes them politically sensitive. So the way I would approach board politics with a transit agency, and this is true for just about any board, first off, I always start by following the published process. So the published process is usually file complaints with, with the organization, the agency. Usually then there's a board that has a public meeting and you can make public comments. You always and also have the right to go directly to board members. Um, because again, these are public officials generally who are appointed or elected. And this is all very knowable information by looking it up. Um, and I can't sit here and give you one answer because everyone's different, but that's how I would approach it. This is where local chapters can be helpful. Every yeah. chapter that's got more than five people in it, which is probably all of them, has somebody that, that is good with it, the internet and can look this stuff up and help say, hey, here's, a, here's the names of all the board members and here's their contact information. Mm -hmm. So get with your local chapter and make this a project. We're going to get, we're going to name all the people that are on the Sacramento RT board of directors so that if y'all ever have an issue, you can go get, you can go talk to somebody. That is what I would do. I appreciate that. Just yep. very basic generic start. And yep. I, I was hoping it wouldn't be more complicated. So I appreciate it's that. Not, it's, not, yeah. it's, it's, it's not easy, but it's simple. If that makes oh, sense. Yeah. It does. It does. Yep. So thank you so much. Uh, next question. We are clear. We are clear. Um, I want to just warn folks. That sounds so ominous. And you got Seven about ideas. 10 minutes. We have a this won't take that long. So a couple of things going on in transit right now. Um, actually, these are good things. These aren't warnings. Um, the um, We talked about accessible pedestrian signals a little bit earlier. And um, there is a standard called the Public Rights of Way Access Guidelines, which is a standard which is supposed to codify how pedestrian spaces are regulated in terms of accessibility. I believe, and I'm not an expert on this, that that standard may get issued soon. Um, we've not had this before, and it may help with some of these kinds of issues like accessible pedestrian signals. Um, we may bring someone on this call at some point to talk about some of that stuff because it's not specifically transportation. But as I like to remind my industry colleagues who get a little bit carried away with their buses and trains, every transportation trip begins 
with a walk to a vehicle, <laughs> whether it's yeah. whether it's in your driveway or six blocks down at a transit center. Every trip mm-hmm. on public transportation begins with with a walk or a roll from your front door to that vehicle. And we need to make those spaces accessible for people um, to, to be able to use them. Um, another thing that's happening is that the uh, the industry right now is um, spending a lot of money uh, on a number of projects. That a lot of federal funding is going out right now under the, um, the uh, infrastructure bill and everything. Lots of money is being spent locally to build stuff. Transit, it, Transit agencies like to build things because there's a lot more money for building things than there is for running things. Um, and what I want to encourage you all to do is to really pay attention to this because um, while there's plenty of money to build stuff, there is not plenty of money to run stuff. And so we're seeing a lot of agencies right now looking at investing at, at cutting their bus services, cutting their paratransit services and replacing existing service with other types of service, which could be better, but it might also be worse if it's not done right. So it's really, really important right now to be paying attention to your local transit agency uh, and all the things that they're up to, both good and bad, or, or, or I should say both good and risky um, and having and really being paying attention. Um, there are ways to do that. One way is if your agency has an advisory committee that deals with accessibility or disability issues, uh, pay attention to that group. And if you're not represented or if your chapter's not represented, get represented. Um, another way that you can pay attention to those things, of course, is just by you know, using uh, Google or some other tool and, and really putting in a daily, uh, a daily update uh, with keywords and target your transit agency. So you get news delivered to your inbox every morning about all the things that your agency might be up to. Uh, because usually when they're building stuff or trying to cut stuff, they're, they have to have public hearings for that and they have to advertise them. So you want to be paying attention uh, to, uh, to, you know, to what's being published by your agency so you can be aware and speak up if you feel like you need to speak up. Before we close, I want to just ask Anthony, do you have any final words for the good of the order? Um, yeah, a couple. You know, I'm going to say it again. Document, document, document. Um, but also, I want to say it this way. This is a better way to put it. These agencies are here because we have advocated for them to be here for us. People have worked and paid into the system for, for these agencies to give us the service that we need. I'm not saying be rude with them, but don't be afraid of them either. If you have a complaint, you're not bothering them. You're giving them feedback on the service that they're being paid to provide. And and I found that a lot of people were reticent to, to actually make the complaints because they were, I don't know how to talk to folks like that or, or various shades of them. You don't have to know how to talk to anyone. You just have to tell them what happened and and be truthful. And another thing that I had to do with certain members of the chapters was kind of sway them from, there's no better way to put it, from exaggerating the actual facts of the, of the complaint. It's got to be, 
8.42 was my pickup. My original pickup time was 7 o'clock. Not, it was two and a half hours. And then I was on, if you were on the vehicle for two hours, we need the time you got on the vehicle and the time you got off the vehicle. Because it invalidates those complaints as well. And out of those 700 complaints that we had, I would say maybe 36 of them weren't, I'm, I'm pulling that number out of my head, but it was a really small amount after we sat down with the two chapters. And by the way, we for, we forwarded our information to the centers for independent, to everyone we spoke to who we forwarded and made that information available. But once we sat down and really went through the nuts and bolts of how to do it, it became almost like clockwork for a lot of people. So please don't be afraid to speak up. And also when you do speak up, be polite about it and be factual about it. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, you know, just stick to the facts. The facts speak for themselves. You know, if a, if a system's bad, it'll come out in the facts. So um, any last words from anybody, Travis? Do we have any other hands? If not, I'm going to close this out. Nobody. Oh, How about Herbie. Oh, I just was calling on Herbie. Yeah, who we got, Herbie? Oh, okay, that was a mistake. I thought there was a hand there, but uh, nope, you're clear. All right. Yep, we're so clear we over not... here as well. All right. Um, I want to close again just by thanking uh, Anthony and Justin for coming on. I want to thank Herbie for streaming and for handling Clubhouse. I want to thank Travis for your hosting duties. And I want to thank all of you, whether you're on ACB Media, whether you are on Zoom or in Clubhouse. Um, however you got here, thank you for being here. This call will be uh, turned into a podcast uh, and it'll be up on the ACB Media podcast page in a few days. We will send out post-call notes uh, and we'll include some fun links to some fun things in there, including this article that was in the Herald. And um, we will also let you know time and date for our next show so that you can join us. And if you'd like to get our information, connect at accessibleavenue.net. Uh, we'd be happy to add you to our list. And again, thank you for joining and we are concluded.